This is week number two in our brand new series, The Genius of Generous Living. The key idea last Sunday, in case you weren't there or if you don't remember, the reason, the motivation for us to be generous people is because of the lavish, amazing generosity that Jesus has chosen us and lavished on us as his children. So the reason we're generous, that's our motivation, is because of the amazing generosity of Jesus. Um, this picture hangs in my office. It's a reminder to me of how rich I am because of what Jesus has done for me. He willingly left the splendor and glory of heaven. He was tethered to the umbilical cord. This just if he knew that was coming, he's going to be tethered to the umbilical cord of a Jewish teenager for nine months. And then he was going to be a helpless infant and a toddler. And then Philippians 2.8 says, And then he knew his mission was going to be endure the vicious death of a Roman cross. The greatest of all givers is Jesus himself. Would you not agree? Jesus is the, the greatest and the most amazing giver of all time. And it's that awesome and extravagant generosity that is our motivation to give to others. So if we don't have that as our foundation, this series will make no sense. So we closed last Sunday with a challenge, the right attitude, the right motivation for being generous, for giving, is because Jesus has been so generous with us. And the challenge last Sunday was for you to be on the lookout for somebody the Lord would put in your path and you could pass on some of that generosity that Jesus has shown you. Well, I, I just want you to know it's been fun. I've had the joy of reading the results all week long as they've come in. And uh, we're going to keep the names anonymous because as I've thought about it, let's just let the, the reason... The, the motivation for generosity be the star of the show here. And that would be who? Jesus Christ. Okay, so he's the star of the show. He's the one who, who causes us to want to be generous. So uh, here's what many of you shared. And again, I'll just summarize some of the highlights. I was able to help an old friend who's pursuing, pursuing excuse me, adoption. I was at a resale shop, and I felt the Lord uh, tug at me to pay for the person behind me in line. I helped a coworker who's struggling with life. I helped her get groceries. I felt prompted to take meals to a single mom and her children who were going through a rough time. I saw an opportunity to help a family with a child in the hospital in Grand Rapids. I bought lunch for a struggling college student behind me in line. My husband and I encouraged a relative who's in a tough marriage. We sent a letter and a nice treat. Uh, I felt led to pick up a hitchhiker, and I gave them a ride, and I helped them, and then they said, I think I might come and join you in church sometime soon. I was able to help a family make their home safer. Someone else said, I, I felt nudged to buy lunch for a friend who is sick. And finally, somebody said, I helped a single gal who's struggling in life. And actually, this is the final one. Somebody said, I've purchased a prepaid Visa card, 
And now I'm walking around and saying, Lord, who would you have me to give this prepaid visa card to? I'm looking to you to make it clear. So that's just some of the highlights of last week's challenge. I would ask, how many of you completed the challenge, but you didn't report in? How many of you, yeah, I did it, but I, I didn't get a chance, or maybe I couldn't read your uh, calligraphy up there on the screen. Yeah, I get it. Okay, well done to all of you who uh, listened to the Lord. It is truly more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed. That's in the book of Acts, by the way. That's not just somebody's nice saying uh, from Benjamin Franklin or something. So I want you to know, if you keep listening to the Lord and finding opportunities to encourage and bless and help those around you, here's what you need to be warned of. It's contagious. It's like, yeah, that was kind of fun. And it is more of a blessing to give to people around you than it is to get stuff. And once you get into that, that repetition, get into that routine, I'm telling you, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's Tuesday on the last week of Jesus' life on earth. Got it? Final week, passion week for Jesus. On Friday... Jesus will be on the cross. It's Tuesday. And a woman comes into the radar screen of Jesus and catches his attention. And she really does something that if you and I were watching, I think you'd say, it's really no big deal. If you and I were there and saw what's going on, we probably would think, that's really like nothing. But Jesus says, no, that wasn't just nothing. That was something. To Jesus, this was a really big deal. Would you locate with me on your phones, in your Bibles, Mark chapter 12? We're going to see the big deal to Jesus. What was all about Mark chapter 12, slide down to verse 41, and and let's see what it was that Jesus saw that, that really captivated his attention and should captivate ours as well. If you're able, would you stand with me? We're going to read out loud uh, this scene that Mark records inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, We're going to read verse 41 down to verse 44. You ready? Here we go. Let's read together. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Let's pray. Lord, first of all, we want to stop and say thanks. Clearly, the fact that you got this inspired, you inspired Mark to write this down exactly as you had planned, you meant it for us. You have something here for us to learn. So, Lord, would you uh, open our eyes to what it is that you would have us to learn from this widow? Show us why you inspired Mark to write this down. Would you show us the implications for us today, 2018? It's been a long, cold week, Lord. 
Uh, some of us are kind of weary. Some of us are a little frozen. Lord, would you help us to wake up and pay attention right now? We really want to hear from you. We really want to hear from your word and from your spirit. And we'd invite you right now to come and teach us and speak to us and encourage us and maybe convict us. Lord, whatever it is you have in mind from your book, we're open to it right now. And the truth is, Lord, it's been a, a long, many of us busy week. And maybe we come and stand in your church right now and there's a wall between us and your son Jesus. And that wall is called sin. And Lord, we want that, that wall to come down. We don't want anything between us and your son Jesus. And we realize, Lord, you've already remedied that problem at the cross. And right now, Lord, we recognize everyone here who knows your son personally, all of their sin, past, present, future. At the moment, they said, I do by faith and received you as Savior Lord. All their sin has been washed and cleansed and taken care of. Now, Lord, we have the privilege of drawing on that account. So we're going to write the check of confession. Lord, as you make things clear, things we've looked at that we had no business looking at, attitudes that we've uh, been okay with, that we've just marched around with, that you say, no, that's awful, that's wrong, that's sin, words that have come out of our mouth, places we've gone that we had no business going. Lord, you know exactly what's going on that's built that wall. Would you point that out right now? And even now, we're open. And as you point things out that you call sin, that we have yet to confess, we do the U-turn, and we're going to run to the cross right now. And we're going to ask that you might wash and cleanse and purify it. We're not going to ignore it anymore. We're not going to justify it or blame anybody else. We're going to call it what you do. It's sin. Please wash, cleanse, purify, tear down that wall. We want to get back in right relationship with you. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, be seated. Ushers, come on down. We're going to receive a reverse offering. What I mean by that is normally when the ushers come down, you put something in, right? But they're going to pass the plate, and this time you get to take something. How do you like them apples, huh? Pretty good. Go ahead, ushers. Yeah, amen. We say a prayer. Okay, okay. Uh, so as the plate goes by, here's the deal. I want you to reach in and take one of the coins. And I'd like everybody, no, not just your wife or not just, no, I'd like everybody to have one of the coins in your hands, okay? Everybody gets one. Uh, what am I going to do with this? Well, consider this your birthday present in case I forgot, okay? So happy birthday to you from, from Pastor Jeff, big spender that I am. Okay? Reverse offering. 
you're hoping that maybe we'll do this again next week and we'll just keep going up. Quarters next week. Uh, dollars the week after. Uh, exactly. Not. Okay. How are we doing? We have some, uh, some coins up there in the balcony for you too? Very good. Well done. Okay, as they finish passing on, need to give you a little background to uh, Mark chapter 12. There were seven boxes of uh, places you could deposit the temple tax in Jesus' day. They, they were bronze boxes, if you will. Every Jewish male, 20 years of age and older, had to pay the temple tax. That was a half shekel per year. That was for maintenance and upkeep of the temple. In case you're wondering, that was about two days' wage for an average worker. So you can translate that into today. It was, it was a few hundred dollars. Uh, so uh, half shekel, every male, 20 years' age and older, had to pay the temple tax. 2 Kings 12, Nehemiah 10, Matthew 17 all talk about the temple tax. Okay? Seven boxes for the temple tax. Give me your eyes. Six boxes were for worshipers of Jehovah who wanted to give over and above to Jehovah and the temple and the work of the Lord. And, and they used this free will offering in a number of ways to help out with the priest, to take care of those who were in need in the Jewish community. Okay, so six boxes, free will offerings, and that was anyone who wanted to give over and above. Verse 41, Mark chapter 12, let's look. Jesus, it says, is sitting, maybe sitting on some steps in the temple area, watching all the activity going on because it's Passover time. It's Tuesday. On Friday, he's going to be on the cross. The Jewish historian Josephus, anybody heard of Josephus anyway? He tells us that at this time of Jesus, there was over 2 million Jews who would come to celebrate Passover. So you need to understand, the temple was a busy, loud, hectic place at this time. And Jesus is just sitting there and he's watching. Go ahead, Clint, next one. He's watching as the crowd's putting in money into the temple treasury. Verse 41 tells us that many rich people, so there were well-to-do Jews, were putting in large amounts of money in the bronze boxes, which means this wasn't the temple tax. That was a half shekel. They were putting in funds, large amounts of funds, in the free will offering. You understand? So there were people, really rich people, and they were going above and beyond the requirement. Verse 42, Jesus, Jesus is sitting there watching now, and a poor widow who's holding in her hands two widow's mites, specifically two lepta, L-E-P-T-A, coins. Okay, uh, A lepta, or a mite, was worth about one-eighth of a cent in biblical times. It was the smallest denomination of currency. You don't get any less. It was our penny, only less. And it says she has how many? She's got two of them. So she's got a quarter of a cent in her hand. 
Verse 44, Jesus tells us that those two mites, one quarter of a penny, was everything this widow had to live on. You tracking? Everything she had. So grab your dime, okay? Now pull it up close, okay? I chose a dime because two mites or two leptas, during this time, you could buy things with two leptas. Now I've thought about it. I'm not sure what you can buy with a penny today. You, you can't even get bubble gum. I, I checked it out. Bubble gum, you know, even in the machine, is a dime or a quarter. So again, this did have some purchasing power. I, I would guess that it's similar in purchasing power today to a dime or a quarter. Okay? Now, hold that right in your hands, and, and I just want you to stare at your coin for a second. Okay? And imagine right now this dime is your entire savings. <laughs> and I hope that's not true for any of you. That, oh, Pastor Jeff just gave me my entire life savings. Uh, this is my retirement account. I'm looking at it right now. This is her pension. Verse 44 said, this is all she's got. She's got no more. And here's my question. If this is all the money that you have in the world to your name, what would you do with it? If this is all you've got, this is your entire nest egg, what are you going to do? And I suspect, if most of us were honest, I'm holding on to that puppy. I, I, I'm going to guard it uh, because this is all I got. Th this is the little bit of sa safety net that I own in all the world. And I just want you to notice Verse 43, the widow marches up to the free will offering box and puts in her entire life savings. She gives everything she's got to the Lord and to the ministry of Jehovah God in his temple. Everything she has. Jesus then calls his disciples, look at verse 43 and 44 over, and, and here's his commentary to them. He says, um, calling his disciples, truly I tell you this poor widow, she's put in more into the treasury than all the others. <laughs> and, and I'm sure they're thinking, um, excuse me, Jesus, but she only gave two leptas. She only put in two mites. How on earth could you think that? She gave a quarter of a cent. So how on earth... Could she have given more than all of the others? Verse 43, this is his, excuse me, 44, his, his conclusion. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, everything she had to live on. I think that's the key point that you need to understand. The others gave out of their abundance. They had a lot of money. They were wealthy. They had extra they gave out of the abundance, but she gave out of her poverty, and she just didn't give one of the coins. She gave how much? Everything she had. <laughs> Everything. She gave it all. Um, this widow was trusting the Lord with her life. Literally, she was saying, Lord, I trust you that you're going to take care of me, so I give you everything, a gift of great sacrifice. And Jesus says, look at verse 44, she's the most generous one of all the two or two million plus people. She's the most generous here today. 
This reminds me of uh, being with our team in Haiti. And uh, first time we met our sister church in Derryville, um, this is a shot of the school and many of the church members. But on the last day, we took food boxes to a half dozen widows, and they all invited us into their homes, and a couple of us, and a couple of them uh, invited us in and wanted to feed us. And there's a couple reasons. I wasn't sure how long the food had sat there. I wasn't sure of the cleanliness of the cup. This is me talking right now. Uh, and really, I didn't want to eat. You could tell there was like the shelves were empty. And she's offering me, she's offering the team the last that she has. Anyway, um, they're, they're living in, I don't know if you see it. How many of you have a garage or are blessed with a garage for your cars? Can I see your hands? I promise you, your garage, I'm not exaggerating, is much nicer than their home, much sturdier than their home that has to endure hurricanes and earthquakes. So these widows in our sister church in Haiti had almost nothing. And the ones that we visited truly had nothing. Uh, They didn't have a goat like the rich people uh, might have a goat. And the really, really rich people might have a 25, 30-year-old moped that they were constantly working on. That's, that's about it as far as possessions. Um, might have a few fruit trees out in the front. Had a little modest garden. No cars, no savings, no pension, no health care. All they have is Jesus and God's word and the church family to worship with and pray with and love on one another. And this is the part that I still am amazed. And they are the most vibrant, joyous, praying, alive, faith-filled people that I've ever met. Hmm. Let me just give you a little illustration. We slept next to the parsonage, right next to the church. And uh, I would guess 5.30-ish. I hear singing, you know, and, you know, it's all I'm hearing is roosters and goats occasionally, but now suddenly I'm hearing it sounds like a women's choir. So at breakfast, I I say, are they having choir practice? (laughs) And uh, the pastor said, oh, no, the women walk to church every morning. I said, every morning? Every morning except Sunday. They come to church every morning really early, before the sun comes up, for prayer and Bible study and worship before they begin their day. Every day. And I'm telling you, some of them were walking miles. So here's my question. How could it be that these joy-filled and strong and people of faith could be that joy-filled and that vibrant when the next hurricane or the next earthquake could bring disease and death their way how how could they be that strong in their faith and and the answer is they've got Jesus and they've got the Holy Spirit and they do have copies of God's word and they have the church family to love and support one another and here's what I discovered give me your eyes 
I would argue that these are some of the richest people I've ever met. <laughs> they are wealthy, but just in a really different way. Now, when I went to Haiti, poorest nation in our hemisphere, um, here's what I thought, okay? I thought I would come back and I would say, oh Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for my abundance. Thank you for my house. Thank you for my cars. Thank you for food in my freezer. Thank you for my iPhone. Thank you for my closet that has lots of clothes and shoes. Thank you for money in the bank, Jesus. Thank you for a retirement account. Instead, I came back realizing, Jesus, you blessed me with abundance. You've allowed me to be born in one of the most wealthy and prosperous nations on earth in all of history. Did you know that? We are one of the most prosperous nations at the most prosperous time in our history now. Now, which, which makes me ask this hard question. What if our wealth and prosperity, instead of helping our walk with Jesus, what if our wealth and prosperity is actually often a hindrance to our faith? Give me your eyes. I know that's a hard question. And right now you're thinking, no, no, I don't, I don't even want to think that way. I want you to think this way. What if our wealth and our prosperity and all of our stuff, instead of helping us in our walk with Jesus, is actually often a stumbling block to our faith with Jesus? We, we've got so much stuff, and I'm just telling you, um, would you look at your, your dime again? Would you grab it? Okay. This is interesting, I think. Um, I want you, that's Franklin, President Franklin D. Roosevelt, the only four-term president in, in our history. Uh, look just below his chin, will you? And I want you to look just below his chin and, and get your readers on if you need them right now. But I, I want you to tell me, what does it say just below his chin? Say it. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? In God... We trust. Here's the problem. Here's the rub, if you will. The more dimes that we have in our possession, the more dimes that you've been blessed with, the easier it is to trust in your dimes instead of trusting in Jesus. It's just the truth. The more dimes that we've been given and blessed with, and it is a blessing, but I'm telling you, the more dimes that you have, the harder it becomes to trust in God. Why? Because I really don't have to trust in God. Because I've got all these dimes. Just keep holding your dime. I close with an illustration I shared 11 years ago from Pastor Rick Gillespie. And if the Lord tarries and gives me life, I'll probably share it in another 11 years. So I'll warn you, okay? Uh, in 2029, it's coming at you again, okay? There's a father named James. He wanted to do spe something special with his son, Jimmy. He said, Jimmy, anything that you'd like to do with Dad right now? Let's do something. And little Jimmy said, Dad, 
let's go get some McDonald French fries. How many of you can identify with little Jimmy? Yeah, yeah. If they're hot. Okay. If that's what my boy wants, Dad says, that's what my boy gets. So off to McDonald's for fries. They get inside and Jimmy can't wait for his fries to come. And the attendant asks, what can I get for you? And he looks at Jimmy and he says, we'll have a large french fry and a coffee. So dad takes out his wallet, pays. Uh, Jimmy is shaking with excitement. Dad pauses and prays. Jimmy, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the french fries and the coffee. Amen. What do you think Jimmy does? He tears in to those fries. Go ahead, Clint, show them. And I think some of you are going to have to run to this place, aren't you? Yeah, because you're going to stare at this picture for a little while. And uh, Jimmy is going to tear into his French fries, and he's enjoying them, and he's ooing and on, and Dad's sipping his coffee, and then he reaches over to get a couple fries, and to his surprise, listen close, little Jimmy pulls the fries to his chest, and says firmly, no, Dad, these fries are mine. That's funny because we all could picture our little Jimmy doing that. yeah, Or me, little Jimmy. His father's in a state of shock. He couldn't believe it. And, and listen, his father says, you know what? I'm the source of those fries. I'm the purchaser of those French fries. I asked him where he wanted to go. I drove him here. I paid the cashier. I bought the large fries. And now my son is claiming that they're his fries. Doesn't he know I'm six feet tall? 200 pounds? And with very little effort, I could overpower him and take those fries right back. Doesn't he realize that right now? Or doesn't he know I could go back up to the counter and I could bring back so many fries that neither of us could eat all those fries in a week? That's how many fries I could go buy right now. And as the father sat there, he thought, you know what? Really, it's not that big a deal, me having a couple fries. Probably shouldn't eat any fries anyway. It's not really that important but I really want my son to be willing to share freely. I really want my son to share the blessings that have been given to him. There's a verse that you need to write down. James 1, 17 says this. Every good gift, every perfect gift, everything that's good and enjoyable uh, that you've ever received in your life, who gave it to you? The Lord above. Yeah. Uh, the Lord is the giver of all the gifts, of all the good stuff that you've ever enjoyed in your life. And now some of you are thinking, excuse me, Pastor Jeff, but I worked hard for my stuff. Okay, now I'm going to push back. Okay, well, who gave you the strength and the health to work hard? And who gave you the mind to work smart? And who gave you the talents and the abilities to do whatever it is you're doing to earn the good stuff that you're enjoying? And I would argue it's, it's the Lord above, James 1 and verse 17. The source of all of our blessings 
is the Lord. Any French fries in any of our bags are from the Lord Jesus Christ. You tracking? Any good French fries that you got in your bag, you didn't put them in your bag. Jesus gave them to you. Everything you and I have ever received in our life comes from the Lord himself. And I, like the dad James, believe the Lord is saying, would you just sit down for a moment? I'm trying to teach you something. I want you to be willing to share some fries with me for my work, my kingdom, my church. So he's reaching down and he's constantly saying, I want you to share some of your fries. I want you to share some of your dimes with me. And what do many of us do? <laughs> no, <laughs> mine. These are mine, God. This is my French fries. This is my dimes. We're saying to the Lord God himself, who gave us everything we ever enjoy, every blessing, every French fry, every dime, we're saying to awesome, almighty God, no, my fries, my dime. Don't you know, give me your eyes, don't you know by now, the Lord God doesn't need your French fries? Don't you know that he owns all the French fries in the world? Listen, the Lord God owns every dime. He, he's not short this month. He doesn't need your French fries. He doesn't need our dimes. He owns it all. So what's the deal? <laughs> he doesn't need a few of our French fries. He's trying to teach us to learn to be generous and share. The Lord's trying to teach us to trust in Jesus and not in our dimes. The tendency for most of us, if we're not careful, is to trust in our dimes and not trust in our Lord. And he's saying, no, 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 no. I, I gave you all those dimes that you have. I want you to learn to share freely and generously. I'll bring some people around you. I'll, I'll make the needs known. I'll get you plugged into one of my churches. I'll, I'll get you to advance the work of this kingdom. But I want you to learn to share some of your french fries. Some of you here today, you share french fries great. <laughs> well done. And some of you are saying, mine, not sharing. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes as we close. Lord, uh, I just confess that when we start talking about money, it gets personal real quick. So, Lord, would you break through um, that barrier and help us to look honestly at where we're at when it comes to our stuff? Thank you for uh, verses like James 1.17 that are clear. Every good gift, every blessing, every good thing, every dime, every french fry that ever comes our way, that's from you. Lord, would you teach us not to hold on so tight to our french fries? 
Lord, would you teach us to be willing to share the dimes that you've entrusted with us? Lord, my prayer, and I believe your heart, is you want each of us in your church to learn to be generous and a giving people. And once again, we're driven back to your son, Jesus. He's the motivation. He's the reason. And Lord, we just want to confess, we live in a prosperous nation. One of the most prosperous nations in all of history. And the truth is, Lord, oftentimes our dimes are a hindrance to our faith. Lord, would you teach us to trust in you and not our stuff? Lord, some of us, we've got uh, our hands pried around our dimes and our french fries pretty strong. Would you teach us to unpry our hands? Get some of my friends here today, get them on the road to generosity. Lord, help them to get going and started. And others, Lord, would you affirm their generous hearts and encourage them to even greater generosity? As we close this morning, anyone say, you know what? I think I'm a little more like that little boy Jimmy with my stuff than I care to admit. Haven't really been very generous with my dimes or my fries when it comes to helping people around me, haven't been very generous when it comes to Jesus and his kingdom and his church and people he places in my way. Would you pray for me today to get on the generous road? I'm not going to make you stand or come forward. I just, if, if that's your heart, if you're saying, you know what? I need to get on the road and start down on a journey to learn to become generous. Would you pray for me? Anybody say, that's me. Pray for me that today I'd start. No, I'm not going to get there today or tomorrow, but pray that I'd get going on the road. Anybody else? See my hand. Yeah, just want to pray for you. Yeah. Lord, I want to pray for my friends who are just honest and admitted this is an area of weakness. The truth is, it's natural to trust in our dimes. It's natural to trust in the stuff that we accumulate, Lord, and not you. So I pray for each hand that was raised. Help them on that road to generosity. Help them to learn to believe and actually experience that it's more blessed to give than to receive. I pray, Lord, you'd work powerfully, even in this week ahead. Give them opportunities to practice generosity. Whisper and help them to hear you as you nudge them and prompt them to step out and trust you. We love you, Lord. Thanks for being awesome. I pray for each person here. I pray especially as we close, if there's anybody here who's never experienced the generosity of the cross, might they cry out, just like we're hearing right now. 
Might they cry like a baby, recognizing their great need for salvation. Might they cry out as they realize they need a solution for their sin problem. Draw them to yourself, Jesus. It's in your name we pray.